Good morning, everybody. Man, I hope you're doing great. It is so good to see you all here to worship Jesus together as a body of Christ. My heart's just like filled looking at you as we're here worshiping together. So thank you all so much for just coming out to worship together today. We are in the middle of a series called Detox, uh, as Pastor Nate mentioned. And today we are going to look at a topic that is big. (laughs) I mean, it is big. I feel like this topic we're looking at today, more than any other thing that we, we go through in our lives, prevents us from experiencing the peace and joy of Jesus Christ. It is big. We're going to look at fear today. Fear. Man, there's no shortage of things to be afraid of. I mean, it's all over. Has always been. Will always be. A lot of things to be afraid of. Um, so, so have you ever, like, just been going about your business, maybe enjoying your day, driving your car, gardening, walking, talking to friends, whatever? And then you get a text, or you read an email, or you listen to the radio, or something. And something just triggers, triggers something in your mind and in your heart. And you just feel this overwhelming sense of dread and fear, like fear just cloaked around you. Have you ever experienced something like that before? I have experienced it many times, many times. Just last week, I was sitting down to dinner with my family, and I was in a good mood. I was like laughing and singing. I may have been even like whistling, right? I mean, no one whistles when they're angry or sad. Right? I mean, what are they going to do, whistle the dirge or something? Right? I was in a good mood, and then I read this email, and it wasn't even a bad email. And I just felt this, oh, this heaviness, this, this sense of fear. I could feel it on my shoulders, just weighing me down. Friends, what is that? It's a simple answer. I know what that is. That's the spiritual battle. That's the spiritual battle that we live in every day. As soon as we are born on this earth, until the day we die, we are in the middle of a spiritual battle. Like it or not, we are in a, in a spiritual realm fighting a spiritual battle. And when those times happen, whether it's a temptation or a feeling of heaviness, whatever it may be, it is vitally important vitally important that you and I know God's word, that we have memorized God's word, that we have studied God's word so that we can quote scripture, go to scripture, say scripture out loud. When those times of that fear can overwhelm me sometimes, I go to scripture. Joshua 1.9, have I not commanded you Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything. By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving... Make your requests known to God, 
And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. 2 Timothy 1.7. God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Do you know God's Bible? Have you memorized God's Bible? Do you have it in your heart? Psalm 119.11. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. In the middle of the spiritual battle, it is vitally important to your Christian walk that you know God's word, that you memorize it, that you can say it. God refers to his Bible as a sword so that we can defeat the attacks of the evil one. So often I think that we, we leave our sword on a shelf at home and go out into our spiritual battleground. And we're saying, devil, have your way. Do you know God's word? It is vitally important in our spiritual fight against fear that we know it. I'm not chastising anyone today preaching this sermon. Man, I love you. I love God's word. I want us to be dressed for success in the spiritual armor of God. Today we're going to look at a passage in the Bible. Actually, before I get to that, the, the senior team and Carl Fig, as the, as the chairman of the leadership team, we have provided you with an opportunity this year. Get involved in a Bible challenge with us. There's four of them you can find out. I think there's papers on the desk and back. Um, something I'm doing, I call it 21 and 21. 21 verses in 2021. I have selected 21 Bible verses that we need to know as followers of Christ. It's not hard to memorize 21 verses in a year, friends. That's not hard. You memorize your, your, your email address, right? You can do it. People, we memorize more passwords than anyone ever thought was humanly possible. <laughs> you memorize favorite verses to your favorite songs. We can memorize 21 verses. It's not hard. We can do this. So, hey, like, if that's something you're interested in, send me an email. I will send you an invite. We start tomorrow on the 21-21 challenge. I'd love to have you do it with me. A few of us or a lot of us, whatever, we will encourage each other in God's word throughout the year. Today we're going to look at a passage that has been heavily memorized. It is probably the most read chapter in the Bible when you talk about whole chapters. People go to it when we are like in despair. People go to it when they face death. In fact, I read it to my own father as he was laying on his deathbed a couple weeks before he died as I was with him up in Minnesota. Right? The 23rd Psalm. Psalm 23, I want you to open your Bibles and turn to Psalm 23. We're going to look at a couple different passages today, but we're going to spend a lot of time in this one. Psalm 23, I want you to go ahead and open it up. I'll give you a minute to find it. And then I'm going to read it and I ask that you follow along. It should be on the screen also. Psalm 23. It says this. I'm reading now the New King James Version this morning. It says... The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. 
my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Wow. That's a beautiful psalm. It's a beautiful poem that David wrote. And in this poem, he writes a couple of very beautiful, picturesque pictures, right? And the first one is of a shepherd, and he's taking care of his sheep. And in the first verse, David says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He says, the Lord, God, has provided me with everything I need. There's nothing I still want for. God has given me everything I need. And then he goes on and he makes this beautiful picture. There's a picture of a shepherd. And he's with the sheep. And he has taken the sheep to a very green, fertile pasture land. It's like a plateau in the hillside, in the hill country. And there's a picture of the shepherd. And he's watching over his sheep. And the sheep are just lying down in the pasture. They're just resting. Resting in this green grass. So the shepherd lets them rest there for a while. Then he gets them up. And it's time for the sheep to have a drink. So the shepherd takes the sheep to a nice, very calm part of the river. The sheep like to drink out of a very slow, uh, just a very slow-moving body of water. So he takes them over to a calm part of the river, and the sheep begin to drink out of the river. As soon as the sheep get enough to drink, the shepherd takes them on a walk down a path. This path leads through a valley, and it's a dark valley. It's a scary valley. There is danger all around in this valley. David calls it the valley of the shadow of death. Very descriptive. I mean, you just get a sense of, of the dangers and then like how, just how, just like how, like it, like ominous this, this valley is. It's full of danger around every turn. The valley of the shadow of death. What kind of dangers was David thinking about as he was writing the psalm? We don't know for sure. Probably I think maybe he was thinking of some animals, maybe some lions or some wolves that were just ready. Man, they were ready for some lamb chops. <laughs> Perhaps he was thinking of some unscrupulous characters that maybe like to hide out in the nooks and crannies of the valley. Perhaps maybe the footing in the valley wasn't real safe for a, a sheep to walk on. Perhaps there's, there's some poisonous plants in the valley. We just aren't sure, but we know it is a dark, dangerous place to be. David is represented by the sheep in this part of the psalm. And David says, as I walk through that valley... I will fear no evil. I will fear no evil. How can David say that? This is a man who had his enemies. I will fear no evil. Was it because David was so strong, so able-bodied, that he would be able to fend off any kind of attack that he received? No. Was it because David was really practicing the power of positive thinking. Mind over matter. Mind over matter. That evil doesn't really exist. It's not that bad. No, that's not it. Was it because David had come up with his ultimate escape plan? If things went bad, he had a plan. 
He had everything he needed. He, he was in charge. He was in control. He had a plan, and he knew his way out. No. How could he say it? I will fear no evil. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. You are with me, God. You are with me. I will fear no evil. Wow. Really, Dan? You're saying that David had so much assurance in the presence of God in his life. With all the enemies in that valley, he could say, I will fear no evil for God is with me. Yes, that's what David is telling us. Friends, I'm going to give you some pastoral advice. If anyone ever comes to you and they bear their soul to you, and they confess to you that they are working through some fears, they're experiencing some fears as they're walking through a valley, whatever you do, don't dismiss it. Don't sweep it underneath the rug. Don't say, oh, man, Get it together. Oh, man, pull it together. It's okay. Don't make a mountain out of a molehill. No. Oh, man, don't do that. That only adds shame and embarrassment to their fear. It is your job, if you are a follower of Christ and someone comes to you and they express their, their fear to you, you say, you know what, you know, I can't really help that fear, but I know who can the presence of God in your life can. And this is your opportunity, if those people are not followers of Christ, to say, let me introduce you to the only person, the only person who can eradicate those fears. There's only one. And it's God, your creator. And you have the opportunity to introduce them to Jesus Christ. And in 2021, just like in 2020, and 2019, and 18, and 10, and 2000, remember, remember Y2K? Yeah. <laughs> the earth was falling. You will have the opportunity to introduce people to their Heavenly Father and to explain to them, God loves you so much that He gave His Son on the cross, to die for your sins so that you can have a relationship with your creator, your heavenly father. Introduce them to Jesus. And friends, if there's anyone here today, whether you're here in person or whether you're joining us online, and you have yet to come to, the re, to, the, to just the reality that your sin separates you from a relationship with God, you need to know. Your, your God loves you so much that he sent his son to earth to die on the cross for your sins. Your sins can be forgiven if you surrender your life and you ask for his forgiveness in the presence of God in your life. And, you begin, and today, it is possible for you to begin an eternal relationship with him. There's a verse. It's out of Ephesians chapter 1. It's an awesome verse that we don't often read that often. I'm surprised it doesn't get a little bit more time. It says... In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, it says, it says, Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. Friends, you know what that says? That the moment that you believe that Jesus Christ is God's son who died on the cross for your sins, and you ask him for the forgiveness, when, when you place your belief in Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes into your life, and it is a seal. 
It is a seal. God has sealed you for the day of redemption when you will be ushered into heaven. The Holy Spirit comes into your life. It's fantastic. And that Holy Spirit can fill you up and give you the presence of God in your life to eradicate the fears that we, that we experience. But some of you are sitting here today, and I think probably you're thinking, Dan, I, I am a Christ follower. I love Jesus, but I still struggle. I am, I am today, Dan, sitting here struggling with fear. I understand. Let's keep going into this passage, all right? Let's keep going into this passage. Verse 5, what's it say? It says, it says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Let's go back to the first half of that verse. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Okay, so now David's painting a little different picture with his words. So David is no longer a sheep that is being protected by a shepherd. David is now a guest in the tent or the abode or a house of his host. And in this ancient culture... It was the responsibility, whenever someone welcomed them into their home, they were basically obliged to, to, to protect that person from their enemies, to guard them and to watch over them and to protect them. In Genesis chapter 9, we see an example of that. There's a story of Lot, and he welcomes two men into his home. They actually turn out to be angels. But this was in a community with lots of evil men, and they wanted to attack those two men inside Lot's home. Lot did everything he could to protect them. It was part of their culture. David, as he's saying this, he's saying, I have a table prepared for me. And it's in the presence of my enemies. David is enjoying this meal, right? You have, you have prepared a table before me. He is now in the abode of his host. They are enjoying this meal. But his enemies are all around. His enemies are all around. That goes so contrary to, to how we approach life today. Because so often our approach is, God, please, please remove my enemies. Please eradicate the source of my fear. That is our approach. But David is saying, God has prepared a table before me. I'm enjoying his provisions and his fellowship, even with my enemies all around me. David was so consumed with the provisions and the fellowship and the care of his father that even though his enemies were all around him, he was able to enjoy peace in the fellowship and in the presence of his heavenly father. That goes contrary to everything we pray for. Friends, maybe it's time we stop praying that God will remove the source of our fears and we pray that he fill us up so much with his fellowship and we enjoy his blessing and his provisions and his assurance in our life that our eyes are taken off of our enemies and put more on his goodness in our life so that we have peace. Maybe it's that time in our life 
Maybe it's time that we take our eyes off of our enemies and our fears and whatever is causing our fears and place them squarely on the goodness and the grace and the holiness of our Father. Maybe it's time. Where are your eyes? There's another passage I want to read today. It's out of 2 Timothy chapter 1. I, I quoted part of this to you as I was quoting the passages at the beginning. 2 Timothy chapter 1. I'm going to ask that you turn with me there, please. 2 Timothy 1. I'm going to find it in my notes here. It says this, starting in verse 6. It's, okay, actually, before I read it, this is an incredible story, all right? Here's Paul. Paul is sitting in a Roman prison. That's not a good place to be. In this time, Rome is under the rulership of King Nero. He's an evil man. Paul, Paul is writing this letter to his good friend and his protege, Timothy. Timothy at this time, I believe as I read this, Timothy is experiencing some fear, some anxiety in his life. Probably I think that Timothy, because he knows Paul's about to die, because as Paul writes this, he's looking death square in the face. He knows his days are numbered, and that number doesn't go very high, right? I mean, death for him at the hands of an, execu at a, at the hands of an executioner are just not very far away. So now Paul, being, you know, like getting ready to die, he sends this letter to Timothy. Timothy's experiencing this fear. And he's thinking, man, if Paul dies, what's going to happen to the church? What's going to happen to the church? And then, Paul, and then I think Timothy is probably thinking, wow, you know, what's going to happen to me? Maybe I'll be next. Now, just knowing that backdrop, I want us to read these verses. It says this, 2 Timothy chapter 1, starting in verse 6. I'm going to read nine verses. It says, because of this, I remind you to rekindle God's gift that you possess through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, a prisoner for his sake. But by God's power, accept your share of suffering for the gospel. He is the one who saved us and called us with a holy calling, not based on our works, but on his own purpose and grace. Granted to us in Christ Jesus before time began, but now made visible through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus. He has broken the power of death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. For this gospel I was appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher. Because of this, in fact, I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed. Because I know the one in whom my faith is set. And I am convinced that he is able to protect what has been entrusted to me until that day. Hold to the standard of sound words that you heard from me. And do so with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Protect that good thing entrusted to you through the Holy Spirit who lives within us. Wow. Wow, 
about? Did you listen to those words of Paul to Timothy? Because of this, in fact, I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed because I know the one in whom my faith is set. And I am convinced that he is able to protect what has been, get, what has been entrusted to me until that day. And in that same passage, Paul writes to Timothy, God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. Did God get rid of Paul's enemies? Absolutely not. Did God get rid of David's enemies? Absolutely not. But they were so filled with the passion, with their passion and love and adoration and focused on the provision and the and the comfort of their heavenly father that their eyes were not on their enemies they were on the goodness of God in their life he did not remove their enemies he did not remove any source of what their fear might have been but they had no fear they were able to walk through the valley of the shadow of death and say I will fear no evil because David understood there is a table set for me in the presence of my enemies, God's provision, God's goodness, God's fellowship that I can enjoy. Wow. Wow. Friends, where are your eyes? Where is your mind? Where is your attention? Where is your energy being focused? If it is focused on the cause of your fears, you will only live in more fear. If you focus your attention and your eyes and your passion towards the goodness and the presence of God in your life, the source of your fears will not matter because you will be so consumed with his goodness that you can say, I will fear no evil. I will fear no evil. So many times as I start to look around at the things in the world and I can be drawn to them, and I start to trust in them, God's like, Dan, really? Really, Dan? Is that what you want to trust in? Sometimes he whispers it and sometimes he shouts it. Whatever he's got to do to get my attention. Dan, really? Is that what you want to place your faith in? No, Dan, you don't. It will fail you every time. Friends, have you ever seen those entertainers? And they like to, they do this thing where they balance plates on sticks. Pull up a picture. There's a, there's a picture I have. You know, they spin these plates, right? So they take a plate and they walk over to the stick that's in like a stand and they put a plate over there and they, and they spin it and they start bouncing it. As soon as it gets spinning, then they take their little stick and they like spin it a little bit more and make it faster and faster and get that plate in the middle so it's balanced and it's spinning and it stays on the stick. Is this, this isn't new, right? You all are familiar with this, right? Okay, so sometimes I think that we as Christians do that same thing. And we have our plates. And on top of this plate, we put our trust. Perhaps some of you are spinning plates also. And perhaps your names of the plates that you use are different. But, the, but this morning, I'm going to give you some names of some of the more common plates. I think one currently that's getting a lot of trust put right in the middle of this plate is the plate of government. So we walk over and we heap all this trust on this plate and we put it on this little stick and we spin it 
And we try to get it balanced just right so it stays right there. And this plate of government's holding our trust right there. We get it going and we spin it really good and it's all balanced and it's great. And we go over and we get another plate. This is, our, this is the plate of physical health. And we put a lot of trust right there on that plate of physical health. And we walk over and we spin it and we get it going and we balance it and get it just right. We walk over and we get another plate. Right? This is our job and our income and our security. And we put it up there and we spin it and we get it going. And about right now, the government's starting to fall. We go over there and we spin it. Right? We've got to go back and pay attention to our health and we, we spin it, whatever. Now we've got to keep our job going. We get another one, right? This is our, this is our to-do list, right? Because we put a lot of faith and trust in our to-do list. And we put it up there, we spin it, we get it going, right? To-do list. I've got to get my health going. Let's get my health. Okay, my to-do list, right? We go over. This is our, this is our retirement. Right? This, is a, this is Wall Street. Man. This is stock market. Put a lot of faith in that, a lot of trust in that. Put our trust on there. Spin it. Get it going. Spin that. Get it going. Right? right. Got to come back over to my health. Right? There's my job. Get my job going. Right? And then we come back over here. Right? This is our comforts. Put a lot of trace, trust in our, our faith in our comforts. We spin it. We get it going. We balance that play. Oh, got to come back over to the government. Make sure it stays up there. Here's my job. Right? We get that. We get all right, and it keeps going. Our family, right? Put our family on there. We put a lot of faith in our, spin it, get it going, come back over here, right? And if just the right time, if everything's going just right, all our plates are balanced, and everything's good, and it's sustaining all our trust, and we can step back and say, I have no fear. I have no fear. Everything is just right in my life. My government, my family, my job, my retirement, my security, my passions, my to-do list, it's all in balance and it's all great. I don't need God. I only need God if there's a problem. And I don't need God because everything's great. I have no problems. But then we see one of those start to wobble, our physical health, right? Fear starts to well up real fast. And we go over there and we spin that plate. Keep that plate spinning. Let's get that plate back to where it need be, right? Right? And then we look around, oh, there's my job, man, my job's in danger. Come over here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spin this stick, right, I'm going to get this plate balanced just right, because it's holding a lot of trust, right, government, well, that government's a mess, got to get that all fixed up, do what I can, I don't know what I'm doing, but I got to do something, get that just right, right? What a horrible way to live. What a horrible way to live. And God says, Dan, what are you doing? Dan, what are you doing? Dan, I got a table. And it's prepared. It's right there, Dan. I have prepared a table before you. Right there. In the presence of all your enemies, I have got your provisions and my fellowship, and it's waiting. But Dan, you aren't even there because you're over here spinning all these plates. Dan, give me those plates. God, I can't give you these plates. They're holding my trust. I can't give it to you, God. Dan, give me those plates. Oh, God, I don't know. I don't know, God. Can I really trust you with those plates? God, friends, how good would that feel? How much peace would that bring us? How much peace would that bring us if by God's power in our life, by focusing on his goodness 
his provisions, his faithfulness, and his power that we were able to go over and grab these plates and say, God, you take it. I can't spend it anymore. God, you, you take this plate of government. I can't even make sense of it anyway. God, this one, this one's a big one. This one's important to me. It's my physical health, God. This one's big. Can I really trust it? God, can I really trust you with it, God? It's a big one. Take it, God. God, my family, really? Take it, God. My job, take it, God. Friends, the more time we spend spinning plates, the more fear we're going to have in our life. We just are. David and Paul, they show us in these passages, their focus wasn't on those plates. Their focus was on the provisions and the goodness and the power of their heavenly father. They were able to sit down and enjoy the fellowship of God in a jail cell and in a dark valley with their enemies all around them and enjoy his power and his goodness in their life because they didn't spin their plates. They entrusted them to their God. Where are your eyes today? Where's your heart today? Where's your energy being spent today? I have found personally, personally, the more energy and time that I spend on these plates, the more filled with fear I am. And it just grows and grows and grows and grows and grows. And then God, by his mercy, says, Dan, come back to me. Come back to me. I will take care of those things. I created all those things, Dan. They wouldn't even exist without me. I can take care of them. I've got a plan for all those plates. You just need to come down and sit at the table that I prepared for you. Where's your heart? Where's your mind? Where are your eyes today? Before I wrap it up, there's a couple more things we need to look at in these verses because they are fantastic. What's the very last thing that Psalm 23 says? Say, It says, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Wow, that's fantastic. There's a similar passage in those verses that I read you back in 1 Tim 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. But I am convinced that he is able to protect what has been entrusted to me until that day. What day is Paul talking about? Judgment day. When he goes into eternity. Both these men and their writings make a reference to eternity. Their eyes are fixed on eternity. Not on this world. If you and I are going to live a life free from fear... Our, our eyes and hearts have got to be fixed on eternity. Because if they are fixed in this world, we will not experience freedom from fear. We just will not. It will not happen. But if our eyes are fixed on eternity, storing up our treasures in heaven, 
and looking forward to Sunday when we get to embrace our Heavenly Father, the fears and concerns of this world begin to disappear. Last week, I decided to, actually my wife and I decided to do a little shopping. I dropped her off at Kroger. And I drove out, I took her right there on Peoria Street, and I was going down to Menards. Sorry, Lena, I didn't tell you this, so don't get mad at me. <laughs> I was driving down Peoria Street, and I decided to, like, do something down here on the console, right? I, I moved something around, I did something, I don't even remember what it was. But for one brief moment, I took my eyes off my destination, where I was driving to. And I looked down here, and boom, boom, I hit the curb. And it wasn't like one of these soft, gentle curbs. I mean, this was one of those, like, it felt like it was two feet tall and rectangular and square. And it was like, boom! I was so mad at myself. Man, I was mad. I think I verbally said out loud, come on, Dan. I've been driving for 35 years. I know how to drive a van. I was so mad. I was like, there's money. Ching, 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 ching. Now I got to get a new tire. Got to get the alignment in my van fixed. I was so mad. I was so mad, especially because I remember giving my wife a hard time several times because she kept hitting curbs. <laughs> I was like, oh, I just did it. I hit a curb. I was so mad. Just a, for a, a split second, I took my eye off my destination, and I went to the side, and I hit a curb. Friends, for only one moment, a split moment, we take our eyes off of eternity, and I guarantee you, where are we? Where are we spending our energy and our time? We are spinning it in this world, spinning plates. We are. You take your eyes off of eternity that fast, that fast. That's how strong the flesh is. One moment, and we are spinning plates, consumed with our world, and the, and the plates that in which we can place our trust if we take our eyes off of eternity. Friends, where are you today? I hope and I pray that everyone in this room is enjoying laying down in green pastures over the protection of your shepherd. But I know that some of us here are walking through a dark valley with danger all around. My prayer for you my prayer for me, and I've got to pray this for myself regularly. God, may I trust in you, your provisions, your fellowship, and your power in my life today. Friends, if I don't do that very regularly, I am consumed with spinning plates. Where are you at today? Man, I want all of us at Great Oaks to be filled with the joy and the peace of God in our life. I want us to know that if we are more concerned with the, fill, with, the fooling, with the filling of God in our life, that the dangers will not concern us, or at least they will not cause fear. But I also need us to understand God may not get rid of the enemies. He may not remove the source of our fear, but we can enjoy his presence and his provisions and his power in the middle of it. And God, I want us, friends, I want us to keep our eyes fixed squarely on eternity.
Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 and 14. Brothers and sisters, I do not yet consider myself to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and pressing on towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. What is Paul saying? His main focus in life was pressing on towards heaven. Because of that, he was able to enjoy the fellowship and power of Christ in his life. To sit in a jail cell and say, God, God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. I'm going to close this out in prayer. Before I actually pray, I want you all to bow your heads. See if there's some plates that you need to give your heavenly father today. Father, we love you, we praise you, we depend on you, we trust you. Father, I want to start by praying for any individual who may be joining us this morning who has yet to place their faith in Jesus Christ and they are experiencing fear in this life. God, may the presence of God and the Holy Spirit fill that person up today. May they enter into an eternal walk with you. Father, for those of us here today who are experiencing fear and we're spinning our plates, plates holding our trust, God, may we give them over to you today. God, speak to us. Show us right now what plate needs to be given to you. What is holding us back from experiencing your peace and your goodness in our life? God, we surrender it to you right now. God, we ask that in the coming days, we place our faith and our trust squarely on you. You have been so good, so merciful, so many provisions. You are always faithful to us. It's just amazing to think of your provisions and your faithfulness to us. Thank you for your love. Father God, may we faith, may we. May we fix our eyes and our hearts squarely on you and on your goodness and not all the things in this world. Father, we love you. We praise you. We trust you. Take our hearts. Take our lives and our minds today. Wrap them up in your strong, loving arms. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.